This podcast was brought to you by So Much To Say, a book of quotes, available every place books are sold. Okay, so how long were you actually in business before it became successful, before you made your first million? Oh, God. You jumped ahead to the first million. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> That's what we do. Right. This is what we Just do jump here. jump right in. So much to say. Um, I, I would say about a year. A year? Yes, because oh my on gosh. day one, we sold out of everything. Okay. Cakes out the gate was a success. And even though I heard people, naysayers, older women, when we were opening the first store, saying that, oh, my God, what is she doing? This isn't going to work. Who's going to make a living selling cupcakes? Um, when we opened... Within a few hours, we sold out of everything. And from that moment, we knew that we had something. And within a year, we were able to open a second location. This is very personal work for me. Politics. Politics. I believe I was called to Set. tell my story, use my voice, be a Gate. voice for Gate. the community, to speak to and for a community of people that has been ignored, denied. Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. I'm Craig the Writer Stewart, and this is so much to say. These are my thoughts in my voice on black shit, white shit, gay shit. And everything in between. Today we are talking to Andra Hall. She is the founder and owner of Cami Cakes. So where was your first location? In Orange Park, Florida, suburb of Jacksonville. Okay. Yes. And is that where you're from, Florida? I'm from Florida, but not Jacksonville. I'm from a little small town called Monticello, Florida. I've heard of Monticello. What? I have. Okay. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm a man about town. I, I, I see that. You would have to be to know about Monticello. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So you started in well, Jacksonville. Orange Park was our first Okay, so you were in Orange Park. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with Orange Park. I actually what? did. Yes, I did a book <laughs> signing there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did a couple book familiar. signings there. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. So when did you open your second store, which was in Atlanta? No. Our second store is also in Jacksonville. Okay. So our first store is in Orange Park, Florida. Our second store is in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. um, On the south side of Jacksonville. Okay. South side Boulevard. And um, that happened about a year and a half after opening our first location. Okay. And so when did you finally come to Atlanta? So in 2009 is when we came to Atlanta. Our first location opened in 2006. Okay. So a few years later. Okay. And how many stores total? Seven stores total. Yes. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning. Okay. You started Cami Cakes. You came up with the idea yes. for Cami Cakes. Yes. And so what was your vision for your business? The vision for the business um, at the time, it was uh, several things were, was happening at the time. Um, my daughter was born. She was fine about a year after she was born. She went in, had a surgery. And um, she had her tonsils removed, mm-hmm. and she didn't wake up from that surgery. Oh, I'm well, sorry. Uh, let me back up a little bit. She did wake up, and then she went back out, rushed to ICU. We don't know what happened. Even to this day, uh-huh. I still don't know what happened. But long story short, um, it took her some time to recover from that okay. incident, and I ended up quitting my full-time job. And during that time, I always baked and um, just decided that, Instead of going back into this corporate world, should I just follow this path and my passion? And that's how that transition started to happen. And so what was your full-time job in corporate America? At that time, I was working for a builder. Okay. And um, most of my jobs 
have been, so I worked with the state of Florida for 10 years. Okay. And then in corporate world, um, uh, almost another eight years. And um, most of my jobs have been administrative roles. But in this particular job, I felt like I was finally free of the administrative role, and I was working with a builder to help um, with home, new homes. New home oh, construction. New home yes. Okay. And so, okay, so from the point that you left corporate America mm-hmm. and you started the very first Cami Cakes yes. in Orange Park, yes. Florida, mm-hmm. how much time had elapsed? Um, Two years. Yeah. Okay, so during that time, what were you doing? You were researching? Oh, I like, was what researching, were you... but I was also working. So I spent most of my days with my daughter, taking her to therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. And then I spent my nights working a graveyard shift in a hotel. Okay. Just so... Just to have some income. Oh, yes. We, and we needed it. Okay. <laughs> Badly. Okay. So you were working overnight uh, for a hotel. Before. Yes. And you had this vision. Of opening this business. That is correct. So you didn't have a lot of money. Oh, I didn't have any money. Like I said, my husband, well, I haven't said this part, but my husband was working two jobs. One, to make sure we kept insurance for our daughter um, and for ourselves, of course. And then the second one was to just pay those bills that I was able to pay when I was in a higher paying job. Mm -hmm. And then working the graveyard shift at night was almost a minimum wage Mm job for me, but... We needed it. Mm-hmm. Because we had so, so now, how did you, how did you manage childcare? So, and I'm re- the reason I'm asking these very specific questions yeah. because I'm sure there is somebody listening right now, mm-hmm. probably a woman in mm-hmm. particular, mm-hmm. Um, who can relate to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. She has, she's where you were. She right. has this idea to start a business. Right. It seems bigger than life. The right. idea seems bigger than life. Right. She doesn't have the resources. Right. She doesn't come from a family with money. Right. She probably doesn't have the credit right. or the ability to get a business loan, right. but she's probably wondering, okay, I have a kid too. How can I take a night job? Right. It, what What did you do with your your daughter during the day? Like well, who? She is me. I kept her. During okay. The day. So I really never slept for about two years. Okay. During the day, I was with her doing doctor's appointments. At night, when my husband came home after his second job, then that just gave me enough time to get to work midnight shift. Right. And I worked until 8 a.m. And by that time, my daughter was awake right. and ready for her day. Mm-hmm. So I was like a zombie for almost two years. Yeah. Just trying to make it work. You are you exemplify. I was just telling you about my, my book of quotes that I just released. Uh-huh. There's a quote in that book that says, your success is on the other side of your sacrifice. So the question becomes, what are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. So for you, you were willing to sacrifice your sleep. Yes. You were willing to sacrifice a better paying job right. because you needed to, you did what you had to do. Exactly. And so, okay, so about two years went by, you're working, you were with this hotel for about two years? Almost two years. Okay. You're researching. You're trying to figure out brick and mortar type stuff. Exactly. Is that what you're doing? Exactly. So spend a lot of time at night. You know, you get one or two customers, but my main job was to just settle the books for the day at, um, for the hotel. Okay. So once that part of my job was done, then I had all of this quiet time. So instead of just using that time to sit around and do nothing, right. I was online doing a lot of research. While you were at the hotel. While at the hotel. Uh-huh. Didn't know anything about a business plan, but I figured it out by doing that research. Okay. Um, I took a couple of trips um, just to see what other um, cupcake bakeries looked mm-hmm. like at that time. Mm-hmm. And they were really in New York City and California, and I had to really save up, wait for tax returns. Right, because kind of the thing. hotels in New York, unless you have somebody to stay with in New York. Yeah, it was expensive. It's expensive. For, for, for me at that time yeah. to travel, to see those things. So after I got my tax return, I did my research. Then I just came back with all of that information and just started writing it out. But also, I have to remember that um, 
I'm a lifelong baker. I've been doing it since right. a little, little girl, like mm-hmm. six years old. Mm-hmm. Easy bake oven girl. Right. <laughs> so, like, the kind of research that you were doing, like, when you went to New York or you went to California to mm-hmm. visit a baker, mm-hmm. what kind of things were you looking for? Um, just who were their customers. Okay. Um, why did that location work for them? Okay. What was it? What flavors were people attracted to? Mm-hmm. Um, just what was it about right. it? What was right. it about it? Did you ever approach any, any of the owners? Or, no. No? no, not in this industry. I didn't. But in another industry... I approach business owners to try to get some information. And I can never forget this. Um, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. I walked in with all my little information in a, in a notebook. And I wanted to walk in and talk to a lady about the industry or just being in business. And uh-huh. she was so cold. She, uh-huh. she shut me down. And it wasn't your industry. It, it was in Cupcakes. Exactly. So, but you just wanted to get a feel for Exactly. And she was cold. Oh, she was so cold. Like Now, you know that, she, Andrew, this is so much to say. So you can tell us if you want. Oh, it what was? business? No, 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 no. But she's, it's not in business. Right, right. Anymore, so I can oh, see. That, but I would right. never do that. Right, no. But yeah. Okay, so you gathered this information. Right. You, came, you went back to Florida. Mm-hmm. And what did you do with that information? And I started just dropping it all in a business plan. Mm-hmm. Everything that I found, everything that I needed, just all of this information, I just started putting it together. And once I had the plan, I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. So, so you what, pulled together a business plan. Pulled together a business plan. Any type of business. Didn't matter. You just tailored it to fit your business. Exactly. Okay. And what I needed to get started. Mm-hmm. And so after I had all this information in front of me, of course, the next step is, well, you need money to mm-hmm. move forward. Mm-hmm. And so I went to family members. Okay. In my plan. Did you have family members that had, like, extra money, like no. fiduciary income? No, no, no. no. Okay. No, nope, it did not. And so at that point... Um, I had to start over because, okay, that wasn't going to work. And I had family members who believed in me because they know how much I enjoyed baking. But uh-huh. They just didn't have the money to, mm-hmm. to help out. I want to pause right there. Let, we'll, we'll come back to that. As an entrepreneur, there are several things that I, that I understand, things that I realize. One, it's your passion. Mm-hmm. So it's your dream. It's your mm-hmm. vision. And so mm-hmm. you're in charge of it. And mm-hmm. no one is responsible for helping you. Oh, Nevertheless, mm-hmm. but and however, mm-hmm. um, there are instances where I do feel like it would be so much more helpful mm-hmm. if I had family members because while they're on the, a handful, while a handful of them are on the sidelines cheering me on, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, I just need you to, if you really believe, I just mm-hmm. need you to give me a little push because you see me down here dying because I'm from mm-hmm. Maryland. Mm-hmm. And so, and when I look at Mm-hmm. Our white counterparts, and I'm not one of those mm-hmm. people that compares or likes and say we need to do black people to need to do this because mm-hmm. this is how white people do it. I'm not that person at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. but I do notice, mm-hmm. and I understand that they come from families that have more. Mm-hmm. But I do notice that in some instances where their families may not have more, their families will put their home on the line, mm-hmm. like do a second mortgage mm-hmm. to put behind the business, mm-hmm. and like, and I know that we just don't have as much to risk us as black people, mm-hmm. but. Did you ever feel like anything like that along your way? Like, God, there are things that my family or friends could do to really help me to get that initial seed money. Right. No, not really. And okay. I say that because I've always been that girl who's had to figure it out, figure uh-huh. things out. Uh-huh. Just, I, 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 I did that because that was the natural thing to do. Uh-huh. Right. To but, try to figure it out on your own. No, no, no. To go to the family first. Oh, okay. First. Okay. Because where else was I going to go? I didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. But what we ended up doing was refinancing our, financing our house. That was the only asset we right. had at that time. So how much did you think you needed at that time? And how did well, you figure out how much you needed? Well, the businessman tells you what you need. 
to get your business started. Uh-huh. And that's why I believe so strongly in business plans. Mm-hmm. Even if, I mean, you don't, I mean, I didn't know what in the world I was doing. Because they're rough estimates. Exactly. The numbers that you're putting in there are rough estimates. Exactly. But it, I mean, it made such a difference. Yeah. Because it does give you some clarity and some direction. Exactly. Yeah. So we were able to refinance, pull out um, $45,000. Okay. With that $45,000, we had to pay off, you know, once you do some of those refinances. This was back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that included paying off some bills once that money came back and mm-hmm. for it to be valid or whatever. Okay. Um. And so after all that was done, I think I had about $25,000 left. Okay. And um, we spent every penny of that except $500 when we opened up the store. What were you spending the money on? Um, Were you nervous about spending it? Oh, I was, yes. I was sweating because if it didn't work, what did that mean? What was the fallback? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Okay, so you took this $25,000 and you did what first? So $25,000, I purchased all used equipment. So you you rented a space. You were leasing oh, a space. Lease a space. So okay. Was, so you went to like a place that was already a kitchen or something. No. Yes, I did. So my first location was in a mall in the food court. Okay. I said it was a previous. It was actually an old Wendy's. Okay. That I went into. That was kind of smart though. Yeah, to be I, in a mall, and it, not a key, and not like a little kiosk. You, you know what I mean? Is, and this is why I say business plans are so crucial because part of that research. When I went to those other cities, mm-hmm. I figuring out the locations that they were in. The foot traffic. Exactly. And we're I'm in picking Florida. up what you're putting down. Exactly. And we're in Florida. So it's warm well, more no, times of the year. The, these are big cities, and so they have street foot traffic. There's mm-hmm. no place in Florida like that. Where people so, are just walking. Okay. Except for malls mm-hmm. at that time. Right. And, um, yeah, and because Orange why. Park really isn't a pedestrian city. Exactly. Yeah. Not in North Jacksonville. Yeah. Not downtown during the daytime. Right. A little bit, but not not heavy. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you chose to go into a uh, into a uh, a former Wendy's, which yes. was in the food court of exactly. a mall. Exactly. So, do you remember how much that lease was per month? It was like twenty five hundred. I remember wow. something like that. And I remember how many cupcakes I needed to um, To get sell. that 2500 a month. It, it, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm sure you were probably thinking, okay, this $2,500 a month times X amount of months, I need to make and, some money quickly. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, when you do those leases, they show you for the entire year how much that's going yeah. to be. And just looking at that number at the time, it was so large to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember thinking that, oh, God, we got to at least clear... I think it was like six thousand dollars a month in revenue that mm-hmm. needed to to, to um, just break just even. Yeah. yeah, and um, our very first month, it seems like I remember it being something like eighteen thousand, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. This is the first month mm-hmm. out the gate, and um, so the first thing was the lease. The first so lease equipment uh, equipment. I didn't purchase any new equipment. Everything was used, mm-hmm. and I remember even coming up to Atlanta. I had a friend that lived here at the time, and there was a. I forgot what was closing down, but um, I said, they have an oven for sale. Can you go over and check it out for me? She's like, yeah, I'll go check out the damn <laughs> oven for you. <laughs> I was bugging people like that. And right. So, but she did that, and we were able to come up here, pick up an oven in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Just I gathered all this used equipment, everything I needed. Sacrificing. To, exactly. You had to drive up to Atlanta from Florida <laughs> just to get an oven. But it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. it. Again, it I'm just, I'm, I just want the listeners to, to hear the sacrifices. Yes. And the dedication. Yes. The sweat equity you put yes, into it. Yes, Go yes. ahead. Lots of it. 
And so equipment, and then... Um, Did you hire any employees? Not you, at that time. And you're like, no, I'm going to do it all. Not Yes, I had to at that time. Yeah. Because I couldn't, on paper, I couldn't make it work. Right. Um, like I said, when we opened our doors, the only thing... Well, not it wasn't even before we opened our doors. Um, prior to opening our doors, once everything was set in motion, the last thing that needed to happen was we needed to purchase all of our ingredients to at least get Right. So you haven't over. even bought ingredients yet. You're just no. buying equipment. So I had only $500 left. and with After you got all of the equipment and everything? All of the equipment, lease was signed, deposits were made, insurance, all of that stuff was done. And so at this point, you're not working at the hotel anymore? No, I quit the hotel right before opening. And So um, you worked up to the point that you were opening. So you exactly. had gotten the money from the from your mortgage. Exactly. And then you quit like right before the store opened. Exactly. Because one of the mistakes that I think a lot of entrepreneurs make, and I'm going to let you finish, mm-hmm. is... Oftentimes, an entrepreneur wants to to create this illusion that they're doing it, that they're making it. Yeah, that that, that I'm all in, (laughs) and they quit their job. And I just feel, and I've told people before, you'll know when it's time to quit. You hang in there until the last moment. You'll know when when it's time to quit. But the other mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make, too, is they bring on all of their staff. They they would have been buying brand new equipment sometimes, you know, because I have a friend who started Mm -hmm. a restaurant, but he was just doing way too much, spending Mm -hmm. way too much money ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And the restaurant ended up closing because you spent so much money hiring staff. Like, you're supposed to be the person... Yeah. Running the business and you're hiring all these people. Like every time I went over there, there was like new set. Like the turnover rate was well, enormous. Well, I mean, well, turnover is high. Already Absolutely, in yeah. This industry, but right, yeah. So you had five hundred dollars left for ingredients. Ingredients went out to Costco, purchased the ingredients, mm-hmm. baked it up, and next day sold everything. <laughs> so how much inventory was that five hundred dollars? So I mean, how many different varieties of cupcakes did you we have? We started off with twelve. Okay. Because we, we wanted to make sure that in our dozen box that there was one of each flavor. Okay. So we started with 12 different flavors. Part of my research, too, was going through SBA. Um, small to, Business Association. Yeah, small. Yes, that's correct. And they put me with a counselor. And my um, counselor was a retired um Guy who owned a print, uh, oh. a printing company, a printing company. Uh-huh. Yes. Now, was it free for you to work with them? Oh, the yes, SBA. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely free. And um, just the, some of the um, tidbits that he left me with was, don't do more than your business is doing. So basically, yeah. you wait for your business to grow, and you grow, and with then you it. grow with it, right? Yeah. Don't. So as your business is growing, then you get new equipment or yeah, more exactly. equipment, or you hire more staff, or right. yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. perfect sense. But obviously, I mean. For whatever reason, as logical as it sounds, a lot of times people do the opposite yeah, of that. Yeah, and I can understand that some people come from this standpoint of I've worked so hard, I want my stuff to be new. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fresh. But you know, you have to be logical and what make you know. Right. So that first day, you sold out everything. Yes. So you took that money and did what? I took what I could, I reinvested, and this has been my pattern: re- reinvested in the business, and of course. So that meant Marley buying in. more product. Buy more product and also what's the next step? Oh, I'm starting to have a little extra cash here. Now I can hire someone. So when did you Okay, so that first day mm-hmm. you made enough money to obviously go out and buy more product. Right. Did you buy enough to kind of sustain you for like the week or yes. the month or yes. okay. for, for a week. Okay. For a week. Okay. And then after week one, 
I said, oh, we can hire someone now. Because my, and the other thing is, it wasn't just me. My husband took off. Um, he was on vacation from one okay. of his jobs for a week. So he was and able so to come and jump in. He was able to help me for that entire week. Once you made that money from that first day, you were able to buy enough product for the ne- next week. Yes. So anything that came in in those subsequent days, you could put aside for the lease there for the $2,000 per month. Exactly. Got it. Yes. Okay. So then now you're doing business. And right. you hadn't even promoted. No. Because you're in the mall, so people see you. Well, that, but also what I did, too, and I had to do everything because I couldn't hire anyone to do a lot of things um, in the beginning. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I did my own press releases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was doing, but it worked. Mm -hmm. And on our first day, we were able to get out um, the morning news show in um, Jacksonville. How did that happen? By submitting a press release, uh-huh. they saw it and they were like, "Oh my God, can we come out and cover you?" And right. I was like, oh my God. And yes. that just brought a lot of business to you. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And so, when you hired your first people, your first employee, how did you know how much to pay them? Did you just go by like minimum wage, yeah, or and it. did you find like a payroll company to handle that, or did you do that as well? Um, in the beginning, I did it, and I used like um, it was an online company like payrollsomething.com or mm-hmm. something, something like that, mm-hmm. and I did that for about a year. Before I use a payroll company. Mm-hmm. Once you started to bask in your success, because I remember there was an article on you in Black Enterprise, there was Ebony. How did those things come about? How did they find you? I don't know. I just think it came about from um, our customers. Customer being, base. Yeah, being fans really? and working in these different networks. I can tell you when I moved to Atlanta, Atlanta is such a special city. It really is. And there have been so many people who have given me the sister girl wink or, mm-hmm. or that pat or you mm-hmm. know that they're mm-hmm. hooking you up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that little something, that inner communication yes. that we have yes. um, that told me that something else was going to happen after this visit. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what it was, but and and I'm just saying that in general because I can see it now through Amy's pantry when people come in, they right. enjoy it and they say. Or they'll slip me a card, or they'll say, I'll be in touch, something right. like that. So now, what, what provoked you to move to Atlanta? Well, um... Because oh. you have how many locations in Florida? Two. And you have the other five here? Yes. Okay. Moving to Atlanta came about because of a few things. So Jeff Portman, I didn't know at the time, in the Orange Park Mall, there was this guy that used to come in. Like, this white guy would come in. He would buy a dozen of red velvet cupcakes and leave, like, a $20 tip. And he would do it again, typically around holidays. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, um, his assistant, our secretary, will um, start calling our store mm-hmm. and um, saying, Mr. Portman's going to be in town. Can you have his order ready for him? Come in, do the same thing. And um, after leaving the Orange Park location, I had a lot of customers who would come in from the Atlanta um from Atlanta or visiting Atlanta mm-hmm. would say, oh, my God, why aren't you guys in Atlanta? And so I eventually, and even Portman, Jeff Portman, told me that over and over again. Mm-hmm. This would do really well. God whispering to you exactly. through people. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually I took a trip up to Atlanta, started scouring locations, and landed on Peachtree and decided that I wasn't going to move to Atlanta. I said I would open a location in Atlanta because I didn't want to be a part of Atlanta's traffic and right. all of the stuff that happened. So you were just making trips back and forth visiting, That's overseeing? No, that was the intent. Okay. But once I got here and started opening up the location, I came with just a few outfits and never went home. So you were like in a hotel. You were staying in a hotel. I was staying 
where was I staying when I first got here? I rented up an apartment across okay. the street from, while you were opening yeah, exactly. up the place. Okay. And um, came here, opened the location, and it was time for my daughter because I was trying to do it over the summer while, while my she was, was out, out of school. school. Yeah. And um, it was time for school to start back, and things were booming, and I couldn't go back home. And at the last moment, we shuffled, got my daughter up here in school in Atlanta, and my husband came eventually. And my house in Jacksonville stayed like we just walked out of it and turned the lights off for about five years before we were able to really go back and settle things up. <laughs> right. So how was your husband with all of this? Like he was okay with moving and... Well, it just happened. Um, yeah. I think sometimes you don't... When things are happening and moving so quickly, you really mm-hmm. don't have time to talk to about To think, right. You just, you I think it's move. so important to have a partner. I sometimes, oh. I'm single. And I think that... I think I would be so much further along if I had that kind of a support system. And I think that it's really important, especially like when women start businesses or women entrepreneurs, because oftentimes you hear stories of women who are doing really, really well, Mm -hmm. and then they have a man that can't Mm -hmm. really handle the success Mm -hmm. or can't handle Mm -hmm. supporting that type of success. Mm -hmm. So I think think you're really fortunate in that way, too. Oh, I I so agree with you, because he's that silent partner, too. He doesn't want a part of the spotlight or anything. Yeah. Push me, go do it. Right. Were there any moments like as you're building, like maybe in that first year, second year, or as you're moving to Atlanta, where things perhaps got really difficult, or was it just e- not easy? But was <laughs> it, was it? But you never had the concern about the money because the business was just flourishing. Yeah, there was a moment. Um, there was a moment when I felt like I was moving too quickly when mm-hmm. I was transitioning from Atlanta to from I'm sorry from Jacksonville to Atlanta I, I kind of felt that pinch just a little bit mm-hmm. but when I when we got to Atlanta the business just I mean, it did so well mm-hmm. that um at that point the biggest thing was just making sure that we could Keep up. Keep with, up. Yeah. Keep so up how did you know how quickly to open up? Like, how did you know that you were able to support a second business, a third business, a fourth, you know, because at this point, do you have a financial advisor or what? Um, no, I didn't. Um, but that all goes back to that business plan, because in my business plan, I honestly wrote down that I wanted to open up a location per year. Okay. So did you ever have anybody look over your business plan? No. Did you ever, after that initial 25000 that you pulled out of your house, it was forty five. but then after mm-hmm. you paid your bills, mm-hmm. 25000 did you ever have to go to a bank and say, hey, we need to go ahead because we're trying to build and we're trying to grow? No, but what happened was um, I did after, what, year one? Maybe year one is when I um, incorporated an, an accountant, mm-hmm. and the accountant um, advised us to get money from banks while mm-hmm. things look like this. Because it's going to be hard if anything ever Right. Changes. So you did it just for the purpose of? Um, no, I didn't do it. Oh. But he advised us to do yeah. it. Yeah. But we, it wasn't necessary. Right. At that time, we talked about it. And, you know, we made that plan to do it. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm only speaking of it because it was, it was excellent advice. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and I'm just going to clarify for the people listening. So basically, he advised you guys yes. to go and get a loan, even though you didn't need the loan. Right. But just... Almost like a credit for right, like, right. for like credit purposes. Yeah, yeah. So if you, since you were in good standing, yes. you go and get the money so that you could build a, a rapport, a relationship with the right, bank. Right, right, Got Especially it. while your books look the way that they do right, right. now. Right. Because, you know. So you didn't. And so you just continue to grow and build and... So everything. But another thing I found out um, throughout the process is how much um, people... Um, 
appreciate banking people, appreciate businesses who have been able to build without any um, mm-hmm. um, Money. financial yeah. Yeah, support from banks. So that was always a, a good thing and something at the time I didn't realize how great it was, but how important and um, how, I guess, in terms of being a, a business person, making wise mm-hmm. decisions, how that kind of um, solidified that, you know, oh, I'm on the right track. Mm-hmm. As you started to build and grow, did you notice a difference and become successful? Mm-hmm. Did you know that, I mean, how did your maybe friends or family react? Did anybody change? Because I've, I've been told by people before, no, you don't actually change. The people around you start to change in anticipation of you changing. I don't think so. Um, I would say the only patch we I really struggled with was a patch with my sister who ended up, my sister's so smart. I mean, she has master's, she has so many degrees. Mm-hmm. And um, she ended up um, doing the exact same thing that I do. But the way that she it went, she went about doing it was a little bit. So that that would, I would say that's the only thing. But I mean, I'm just a country girl. We grew up very simply. Mm-hmm. Um, Did I miss the question where where I was asking like a setback that you may have had where things got really difficult? Did we cover that? We did cover it. Yes, and then transitioning from Florida um, from Florida to to Atlanta and. It's kind of starting over, mm-hmm. leaving the stores in managers' hands down there. That, that was hard. That was hard. Right. So you had to really trust those people down there. So how did you oversee them once you came to Atlanta? Like, did you take trips down there to visit? Yeah, or? and that's when my husband took on more of a role of being um, that, um, and more of an operations mode role mm-hmm. to make sure he oversees the stores while I continue to work on growing the Atlanta base. Okay. And so... How how long into um, opening your very first store in Florida did you start to pay yourself a salary? That was another reason why bringing on an accountant made a huge difference. Because um, mm-hmm. at this point, in the beginning, you're probably, so about a year. Yeah. But in the beginning, you probably just taking like little pieces here for whatever you may have needed. Because yes. as an entrepreneur, when you're starting out, that's yeah. typically what you do. And people mm-hmm. always say, well, you have to save. Mm-hmm. You have to put money. But it's like, mm-hmm. but everything that you're making is pretty much going back into the business. Absolutely. So you might pull a little $70 to pay your power bill and exactly. pay a little $100 exactly. for your cell phone bill. Exactly. So you're not really making a salary. Right. I so can. about a year in? A year in. So then how did you decide how much you pay yourself? Um, my accountant decided. Okay. He said, you need to pay yourself. And I said, well, how much should I pay myself? And he, so did he say like a certain percentage of what's coming in? Yeah. Well, he just told me a flat dollar amount. Okay. He said $60,000 a year. Okay. He said, pay yourself $60,000 a year. And I was like, well, okay. And, and then, then later and when you're... bonus out. Oh, and then yeah. when your then when your husband came on board, then you guys worked out something with him. Yeah. So 60, 60 bonus out. Right. That's what we Okay. Did. That's awesome. That is awesome. So what would you say to women who, perhaps like you, were in a relationship when they started their business or in a marriage? Mm-hmm. How do you maintain your footing? Because oftentimes women are such natural nurturers, givers, providers. Mm-hmm. How do you approach your marriage or relationship as partners like that? You understand what I'm saying? Oh, you know what? That was the most challenging part. Who's in charge? Who's yes. the boss? Who, who makes these decisions? Yes. Because at the end of the day, this was your brainchild. But on the flip side of it, he was there to help support and maintain. So, exactly. like, what, do, were you feeling conflicted ever? Oh, very much so. And if I'm going to be completely honest and transparent here, that was the, I can say that that has been the hardest patch mm-hmm. I've, I've had to deal with on the business side and personally. Yeah. And I don't think it really ironed itself out until there was a clear understanding that 
she has to be the boss. I have to support her. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're going to always be For at him home. to understand exactly. that. He had to understand. And yeah. so that goes back to what I was saying yeah. earlier. A lot of men can't handle that. So yeah. I think it's fantastic that he's able to control his ego. Right. Because if you don't control your ego, your ego will control you. That is so true. So that's a beautiful thing. Because I think sometimes with women, they acquiesce. And they'll just say... Because even like in the case of like Mary J. Blige, I read an article where she was saying, like, of course, she just went through a divorce. She was saying in the article how she wanted her husband to feel like an equal. So she made him her manager. She was giving him too much. She was too giving. So... That's the thing I want women to understand. Like, you don't have to give, give, give your your intellectual property, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, your mm-hmm. business idea, you know, mm-hmm. just to make someone feel whole in your mm-hmm. relationship. No, and I, I've always had this approach of well, we're both getting a check here, so it's not about giving, it's about earning. Right. So if, right. if that wasn't going to be understood, then we were never going to be able to um, move forward. Uh-huh. So. Oh, so let's talk about the newest venture. So your newest venture is Annie Mae's Pantry. Yes. And tell us what's different. What was your vision for Annie Mae's Pantry? Annie Pantry. So Annie Mae's Pantry, Annie Mae's Pantry is named after my grandmother. I was going to say, is that your grandmother? Okay. My paternal grandmother, um, Annie Mae Norton. Okay. Um, My grandmother, of course, well, well, I'm from Monticello, so of course she's from Monticello, Florida. But um, there are some photos of my grandmother and the rest of my family, well, some of my other family members that we discovered that really inspired me to do something um, in terms of telling the story of where I'm from. And mm-hmm. instead of writing a cookbook, which would have been much easier, uh-huh. I decided to And you still up. can. <laughs> that is so true. Uh-huh. But um, I decided to open up a cafe that um, displays uh, her image as soon as you walk in. And it's a soul food cafe. So uh-huh. just wanted something that felt like you were almost coming to my house mm-hmm. or where I grew up. And it did, because that's where you and I met. A, yes. a, a mutual friend of ours called me and said, hey, listen, I, I need to talk. I need a little advice. Mm-hmm. Meet me over here at Annie Mae's Pantry. And he sent me the dress. And I said, okay. I said, is it black? Because he knows that. <laughs> listen, I'm all. Listen, I'm not against anybody. Just because I'm for my people doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm against anybody right, else. Right, right. And so I, I, I'm always looking for black businesses to support. Mm-hmm. And so we met there. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know that it was you. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was the same person that owned Cami Cakes. Mm-hmm. I just knew that it was black owned. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I got to, he said, yeah, you know, the same woman that owns Cami Cakes owns this. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. And when we walked in, he said, that's her over there. I said, are you serious? I was just, I was excited because like I said to you, um, I think before we started today, that I have talked about you on my social media, on my Facebook Live. Like I do wow. this thing every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, where I go on my Facebook Live and I just discuss whatever it is that's going on. And one of the things that I discussed last week was supporting minority businesses. And that doesn't just mean people of color. That means women-owned businesses yes. or, you know, whatever. Right. And I was just challenging all of my my listeners to um, to do that in whatever city they're in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you guys, you decided to start Annie Mae's Pantry. Yes. The food was amazing. Thank I had you. the catfish uh, and grits. Thank you. And then you <laughs> brought me a waffle over yes. because I had <laughs> tasted my friend's waffle. And I said, oh, my good God almighty, what is this? <laughs> and you, you brought me one over, and I killed it. Well, thank you. So how long has Annie Mae's Pantry been open? Uh, three months. Okay. Yeah, it's been open for three months. Um, the idea came to me uh, at the beginning of the year, late last year. And um, same thing, started working on it, started pulling together a business plan. The thing about this one versus the other one is because I'd already done it a lot easier and because I'd already opened other stores Mm -hmm. um, a lot easier to do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and also the same philosophy. I moved into a space that was formerly a um, a, a, um, a cafe or dessert place. Mm-hmm. And, of, of course, you save a lot of money on your build-out when you do that. Mm-hmm. How do you decide whether or not you're going to lease a space or if you're ever going to get to the point where you buy a space? Yes. Yeah, well, I'm at that point now. I uh-huh. feel like um, on the production side of everything, we should be purchasing a space mm-hmm. at this time. Yeah. I feel like we're at that point. Yeah, I yes. think that's really smart business yes. once you get to a point. Yeah. Because, you know, if the landowner... Mm-hmm decides, okay, well, we're, we're going to go ahead and sell this business. And you've built this huge customer base that right. knows your business, knows your location, and then you have to close because the owner of the building decides yes. he's going to do something true. else. Yeah. Then, you know, it's just a matter of rebuilding and rebranding your business. Yeah, that's very true. So are you also thinking about what other things? Because you can go to CamiCakes.com. Mm-hmm. And Cami is C A M I cakes mm-hmm. with an right. S That's dot com, right. mm-hmm. and you can order online. You can. And do they deliver, or do you just order it online and then people go into the location and so pick it up? So when you order online, two things happen: you can either order to have them shipped anywhere in the nation. Okay. And um, you can also order to have them picked up at any of our locations. And also in the city of Atlanta, you can call our stores, and we can make deliveries for you. Got it. Yep. That's awesome. So, but you're not in any grocery stores currently. Not in any grocery stores, but we are on Amazon Fresh, which is um, okay because they deliver within like a two-hour window uh, or something yeah. like that. Well, I thought it was next day. For the is fresh. it next day? Okay. Yeah, they have two different platforms on okay. Amazon. And there's Amazon Fresh and there's Amazon something else. But we're on the Fresh side, which okay. is the next day. Okay. Yes. That is incredible. Oh, thank you. So let me ask this: yes. Did now that you are successful, financially successful, is it is it difficult deciding when, how, and who to help in terms of friends and family? Oh, you mean help with money, giving them money for the most part? Yeah. Um, Do you have a lot of requests now no, from people? I don't actually, and and I say that my family, maybe my family is just different uh-huh. in the way that we grew up. What about your friends? No friends say, "Well, girl, you know, I want to start this thing," and I was thinking, and oh, girl, my mortgage is just, oh, my son is in school, and I don't have the tuition. And... Few people here and there, but no, for the most mm-hmm. part, no. So how do you decide when you give or not? When my heart tells me to. Yeah. Because so I you don't have a problem saying no. No. That's a good thing. I don't have a problem saying no. And in terms of philanthropy, I'm sure you probably have a lot of charities and yes. things that reach out. How do you decide with that? Is it does it the cause have to resonate with you? It does that. And um, can we really make a difference? I look mm-hmm. at it. I mean, we can't do a lot, but what we can do will it really make a difference? And mm-hmm. that's how we decide if we if we can or will help out. Mm-hmm. And is there any type of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs starting out? Like, is it what would you say to Myself? your younger self? Yeah, when you were starting out. So many things. Mm-hmm. Um, one is just believing yourself. I had so many doubts in the beginning that can I really do this? Am I smart enough to do this? Um, I, I was really kind of leaning on. Now, this part of the story I didn't tell, but I was leaning on one of my other cousins because I, I said, oh, she's so much more articulate. She can go in and she can explain my business plan to folks better than I can. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been forced in situations where I was dependent on people and they didn't show up at the last moment and mm-hmm. I had to do it myself, mm-hmm. which um, was so needed and so necessary for me to um, get that courage. And, and to find your voice. It, exactly, to be able to move forward and continue to grow as a person and grow um, as a business person as well, mm-hmm. personally and through business. Um, so that would be number one. 
to definitely believe in yourself. Um, the two is you really have to do your research. If there's anything you want to do, it doesn't feel like work if you really enjoy doing mm-hmm. it. Honestly, that's the way I feel about it. And um, I would say choose something that you enjoy doing, but be smart about it. Make sure you make money doing it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times what I've noticed for people who have passions, they don't know how to evaluate their passions. And they'll end up giving it away because it comes so easily to them. They don't know how to place value or charge yes. people for their service exactly. or their business. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and I feel like that's because, oh, well, it's nothing for me to do that. That comes so easily. People mm-hmm. who are great writers, because I can I can barely write an Instagram caption. Mm-hmm. And so, um, to me, they don't realize how valuable that is for people who can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, so, yeah, that's and that's true deal. because I know when I started yeah. off, like I, I, I moved here. And I was writing music initially. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a while. Ended up writing and producing a stage play that sold out. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I founded a greeting card company called Say It in the Card. What? We yes. should be talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like we were in seven stores. Say It in the Card was literally in seven stores. The economy turned yeah. and took that business out. And we were even at the Marriott Marquis. They would... Um, they were giving out cards. They would purchase the cards from me, and then they would give cards to their their clients that use their spa services. Yeah. It was like a thank you card. I've really, really hustled that business for a long time. Like I, w- I approached like the black-owned Mercedes-Benz mm-hmm. dealer here, mm-hmm. trying to get them to do thank you cards for their customers. Like when they come to the service department or whatever, yeah. and they just, I just got so much pushback. And it was like, well, we just use Vistaprint, but it's nothing like a customized message exactly. with their logo. So I. I got to a point once the economy turned and each of those stores closed up, it just kind of knocked the wind out of me. Mm. And I, at that point, I had started writing my first book, and so I had been pushing these books. And so now I still do the greeting cards, but I do it more on a customized basis. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody wants to do thank you cards or something, like if, if it's a commission basis. Yes. I don't... I, I keep saying that I'm going to try to go back into the stores and try to figure that part of it out, but I don't know. I think it just kind of bruised me a little bit. I you know what I mean? You know yes. what I'm saying? And so uh-huh. sometimes it just it's just hard, and it's right. so important to have a tribe. I talk mm-hmm. a lot about a tribe, mm-hmm. like that support system, that mm-hmm. two or three people around you that really understand what you're going through. And there's a difference between having your friends yes. and having a tribe because your tribe, they may not be in the same business that you're in. Right. But they are in business for they themselves. Exactly. And they understand because there's right. nothing like the ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship. And that podcast is coming up, too. Um, I have a conversation with a friend of mine, and we talked about those setbacks and how there are moments where it's just so bleak. Mm-hmm. And, and you see this glimmer of light at the end of the mm-hmm. tunnel, but you just don't know if you have it in you mm-hmm. to make it to the end of that right. tunnel. Mm-hmm. tunnel. And it's almost like you just want to give up. And it's like nobody really understands because they'll say, well, why don't you just go and get a job? Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've done so many things like that over the years. Right. She's done so many things like that over the years where you just get something to bring a little income in just to kind okay. of float you a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's about growing that muscle, that mm-hmm. it's 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 that muscle that you have to grow, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that it's mm-hmm. also about character building. There's so much that you learn as an entrepreneur. Oh yeah. You, you have know. to be built for it for sure. You have to be built for it. Yeah. And everybody is not built for it. Yeah. And I've said many times before, like some of the things, some of the sacrifices that I've made, mm-hmm. not many people could do it. Right. And it's a it's that handful of us that mm-hmm. that have that entrepreneurship 
mm-hmm. bone, that mm-hmm. muscle, mm-hmm. you know, in us. Mm-hmm. But not everybody has that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Some people have to know that they're going to get a check every week, right. every two weeks. Right. You know, where I've learned to be so resourceful right. with money and, and in other aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. Because you just, you learn to juggle. Exactly. You know what I mean? You learn to figure things out when your back is against the wall. Yes. And then there are a lot of people who don't like to get their hands dirty. A I, lot of people. Yes. I feel like it's necessary. You have to know your business. I mean, even if I'm not going to be, and in, in, I'm going to use Anime's Pantry, for example, um, I went through, I'm, I'm just now coming out of it, but I went through a phase where I was the main cook in that restaurant for, you know, about a month because of the way the staffing situation was. Because you wanted to make sure you had the right person. Exactly. The right person. I wanted to make sure it was going out to the best of my ability Mm -hmm. or the store's ability. And, and of course, if I don't know it, then how can I teach it? Mm -hmm. So I was okay with being in there, being in the trenches, getting my hands dirty when Mm -hmm. other people are like, you frying? And and listen, (laughs) and and that was one of the things, because I actually told my mom about you Mm -hmm. that day. I was like, you know, I spoke to her about doing the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I said, I said, do you understand that this woman, this woman's business is a multi-million dollar business now? And she was in there cooking. I said, she brought me my waffle. (laughs) She walked over with my waffle. That was what I said. And I even told my people on Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. And I said, she's coming out. They're like, oh, we can't wait, you know, because I guess some of them knew about Cami Cakes. Mm -hmm. And so I said to her, and that was to the point that I was making earlier about my friend who had a restaurant. He didn't want to be in there cooking yeah. like he was bringing in staff to cook the yeah. first week and yeah. I'm like no that's when you are supposed to be in yeah. there yeah. and yeah. here you are many years later mm-hmm. seven locations later eight mm-hmm. if you include Annie Mae's mm-hmm. Pantry mm-hmm. and you're in there cooking like clearly you could have just been home you know doing whatever you wanted to do right. but the point that I forgot to make a moment ago was when I started off writing and I started offering my services mm-hmm. to people because people would say would you rewrite my website mm-hmm. or could you write my bio for mm-hmm. me I didn't know how to charge people for that because to your point, it comes so natural to right, me. Right, right, right. Um, I was writing personalized cards. Like I did wedding vows mm-hmm, for people. Mm-hmm. I've done um, uh, cards for people who were whose relationships were on the brinks of breaking up, mm-hmm. and I've done things like that. And and it causes me to sit down with them, talk mm-hmm. to them, find out what their relationship is mm-hmm. about. I mean, that's my time. Right. So aside from me just writing it, I'm sitting there, I'm doing a consultation. Yes. And so I was always nervous about how to charge people. Like, I remember when I started off, I was like, okay, well, I'll do it for $25. $25 is nothing considering exactly. I have to sit there and talk to you for 30, 40 exactly. minutes exactly. to get to what I need to get to. Right, right. And then I have to go and write it. Right. So it takes a while for you to understand your value. Right. And as a friend said to me many years ago, your confidence hadn't caught up with your talent. Mm. Mm. And it changed my life. It changed my life, Andra. It changed my life. I said, that's it. Because the talent was always there. The confidence just wasn't. And I just rehearsed that thing in my mind over and over. And there are moments now where it gets real. Because like I told you, I've just published my third book. And it becomes so difficult at times. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially because we're talking about people buying books. Mm -hmm. You're selling something that people want to eat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's easier to sell them. You know what I mean? But with the book, it's like I'm still working for the book. The book isn't working for me. Candy Cakes is working for you now. I got it. You understand? Yeah. So it's just, I'm still in that phase where I'm building. And then I'm doing this podcast. and Doing the re- 
during the recession, I have a, a friend who's an author, and she said, people ain't buying books, they're buying bread. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was her. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm always looking for new ways to get in front of new customers. Right. You know, so I, so when I did the readings in Orange Park, mm-hmm. someone through social media found me, mm-hmm. found, because mm-hmm. I did a little clip reading mm-hmm. on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. He found it. Told me to come down to Florida. He mm-hmm. had a house full of people there. Mm-hmm. So you know when you when you have situations like that, people will bother, but because they trust you, exactly. you know what I mean. So I've done plenty of things like that, but I've also had to be really creative with social mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. doing these Facebook lives and you know selling books in cities and countries that I haven't been to. Right. You know, until it really gets to that point where it's like, okay, I can catch my breath. But you know what I do? I don't worry about the masses. I focus on one. Yes. And I feel like if I get that one right, it'll multiply. It will multiply. And, and so on. Yeah. My mother taught me that because I remember early on when I started out with my first book, mm-hmm. I remember the very first reading I did with the public reading that I did, mm-hmm. like it was standing room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it just kept building from there. Mm-hmm. But then I remember I did a, a reading in Philadelphia, and then I did one in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and it was like 50 people there. It was mm-hmm. like a line of people, mm-hmm. people from my elementary school. Mm-hmm. But then when I did Philadelphia, mm-hmm. there may have been like eight to ten people there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my mother could see that I was dejected because I had we had driven from Baltimore mm-hmm. to Philly, mm-hmm. and I had done it at this bookstore, and I just knew that it was going to just be impactful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as we were leaving, she said, well, I think that was really a good turnout. She said it was a really good conversation. Mm -hmm. She said, and, you know, I hope you're not upset about that. And like I said, Mm -hmm. she knew that I was upset. And she said, I hope that you're not upset. She said, because, you know, there were 10 people there. She Mm -hmm. said, but then those 10 people tell 10 people. Then those 10 people tell people. You know, so it really is about the critical Mm -hmm. masses. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about spreading that word and, yes. and it becoming, you know, um, contagious that yes, way. Exactly. But I appreciate you doing this. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say? No. Anything you want to ask? Tell us how they can find you on social media. Um, well, of course, Cami Cakes on mainly Instagram. And I say mainly Instagram because I control all of our Instagram okay. pages. So you're talking directly to me when you tune in to Cami Cakes Cupcakes, our Instagram. So okay. at Cami Cakes Cupcakes. And on the Animates Pantry side, it is Animates Pantry. That's it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You're Thank very you for welcome. Me. You're welcome. And so your website fun. is camicakes.com. Cami and Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. This has been so much to say. Please share this podcast, especially with those people in your life that have a vision. And they they are so close to giving up because there's no evidence that they're gonna succeed. Be sure to share it with those people. Share it on your social media. The social media for for So Much To Say podcast is So Much To Say podcast on Instagram. My Facebook is Craig the Writer Stewart. My Instagram is Craig the Writer Stewart. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We're available in SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, and any place you can listen to a podcast.